My name is James Gleason, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church here in Hillsboro, Oregon. Now, Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. And our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so every weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please take a moment to visit our website at www.isunrise.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you. And you can learn how to grow with others along the journey of life. You can learn to develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost. And finally, you can learn how to lead others to know Jesus Christ on this journey of disciples making disciples. And so now I invite you to follow along with our weekend message as you discover the heartbeat of God. Welcome. My name is Taylor. I'm one of the pastors here at Sunrise. It is such a joy and privilege to be here with you. Um, man, it's always intimidating because, man, we talk from the Word of God or you, you share from it. It's very convicting and it can be easily, you can easily assume on your side of things that I'm doing all of this and you need to get your act together. No, that is not it. I'm a broken man. I'm working my way through all this stuff just like you are. And so when I preach or when I share, when I teach this, it's, I'm teaching for all of us. You know, I'm, I'm working through it myself and letting it come into my own heart and do what it needs to do. So I just I just want to invite God in this morning and pray to him. So wherever you're at, whether you're with family, friends, or you're gathered in a room, or you're by yourself, um, we're just going to take a moment and just call out to God. So, Father, man, we need you this morning. There's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of death. And we just need you. Lord, we're struggling in ways... uh, We might not even be able to put into words in this season. You know, we've lost our sense of normal. We've lost our sense of maybe what feels like purpose in this season. And and Lord, we're just, we're we're kind of wanting to cry out with everything we have, but maybe we don't know how to you, God. And we need help. We need you to step in. We need you to reveal yourself to us in this season. Show us who you are. Show us what path to take. Lord, we, we just, we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. So you may not know this about me, but uh, I graduated from Linfield College. Um, it's now Linfield University. I used to get some flack because it wasn't a university, but now it is. So it's all good. Not when I graduated, though. So... Um, I got a marketing degree there, and so I was lucky enough, fortunate enough, my first year, like right after, right as I graduated, uh, to get a job in marketing. I spent my first year in an awesome introductory level job. I was like a marketing manager kind of thing for a small company, and I had some of the best bosses. It's just a great place to work, awesome experience. About a year into the job, they approached me, and they said, you know, they, they asked me some good questions. They're like, you know, how do you see yourself here in the future? How do you like it? We kind of want to change your role around a little bit. 
it. And so I walked away from that conversation kind of thinking, you know, okay, asking myself those questions. And the truth was, is I didn't see myself there for the long haul. I didn't see myself there. I was kind of, I was kind of done and I knew it. Um, but the truth was, is I wanted to stay because if I stayed, I got a paycheck and that's always a good thing. Uh, but I ended up going back to them, having an honest conversation, and I found myself without a job three weeks later. We just agreed that was the route. They needed to move on. I needed to move on, and it was a good moment for me to go and embrace God and trust him to be the provider, which is never easy. Um, and so uh, a lot of people, if you're around me in that season, friends, family, probably thought I was crazy. I was. I mean, that's, there's no doubt about that. It's never been up for debate. But uh really, if you were to look at that season in my life, though, you'd understand how crazy I was because I just gotten engaged a couple weeks before that to my wife. And we were planning a wedding for less than five months from there. And not only that, I spent the last four years, well, the four years before that, getting a marketing degree. So I spent my whole life pursuing this only to walk away from what is a really uh, great introductory level job and to go into unemployment and to have nothing. And so if you looked at me, I'd be like, Taylor, are you sure you know what you're doing? I'm like, no, I don't. And for those of you out there who are like, I, I don't always hear God or I don't know when he's speaking or I don't get that. Uh, neither do I. I just kind of go, I think maybe possibly I'll do this. Like, I think that's what you're doing, God. And we only get to find out on the other end, you know, where God is moving and what he wants to show us. And so I think it's such a beautiful display of what faith looks like, really. Um, And so as I went through this, I was misunderstood by people in this season and rightly so, which kind of makes me think about all the decisions we make and, and how many times we're misunderstood and that that is kind of a part of life, being misunderstood for the decisions we make. Maybe you're, you're sitting here and you've got some difficult decision ahead of you and you're trying to take into account everyone's feelings, everyone's perspective, everyone, and you've got to make a decision. And the truth is, is there's going to be some people who misunderstand why you're making the decision you're making. And that can be difficult. Um, some of you are making decisions for Thanksgiving right now, and you're going, hey, I don't know that we can have Thanksgiving with, with them because, you know, they're compromising their health, and we got to be careful here, and, and maybe the best thing's not, you're going to be misunderstood, and no matter which side of that you're on, um, and it's a tough, difficult moment to be in. Maybe you are trying to serve someone, or maybe you have served someone. You go out of your way, you serve them, and, and go up, and it, it could be anything. It could be a food. Maybe you're giving to a family, and it can be awkward for you in those moments when you go up and serve someone, and they give you that look like, okay, what's the catch? Like, why are you doing this? And, you know, to give them a, well, I feel like God kind of nudged me or told me or it's the right thing to do is like, that's not a very good answer. Uh, <laughs> but that's kind of where we go with things. And so we can kind of feel like they're misunderstanding us in those moments too, just when we're trying to serve. If you've ever been a parent, then you know misunderstanding to the core um, because your kids never understand the decisions you make, right? Like they're just always telling me, I'm the youth pastor or was the youth pastor. So I understand this. Like I hear about all the decisions you guys make. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but if you are a student out there or you're a kid, you're in the same boat. You're like, they never get me. They never understand. They never get anything that I want to do. <laughs> and, and so here we are. We live in this world of misunderstanding and being misunderstood. And it's, it can be very difficult to try to live in a life of constant 
misunderstanding or lack of communication, all these things. And what I've been saying lately um, a lot, and I stole it from some leadership guru somewhere, and I don't know who, but I was saying leadership is about the willingness to be misunderstood. Like when you step into leadership, that's what you do. You got to understand Jesus, the greatest leader of all time, who goes to the cross, dies for the sins of the world, was misunderstood. He was misunderstood all the way to the cross, all the way to the point of death. And that can be a really hard one to swallow because when we're being misunderstood, we're like, God, why don't they get it? And the reality is, well, they didn't understand Jesus either. And so as we kind of look at the story today and we, and we look at this, we should understand that we as followers of Jesus are going to be misunderstood because we lead in this world. We are influencers in this world. We, we call people to follow Jesus. And as we lead them into this relationship, man, we are going to be misunderstood. We are going to be questioned. We're going to be analyzed, all these things. And so Peter speaks into this today as we kind of continue into this Joyful Exile series. And he comes right off the bat speaking into a culture that is hostile, that is, man, un, you know, he's speaking into where Christians are being, basically, they're suffering in different ways. And so this is what he starts off with, this question right here. He says, now who will want to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid if there are threats. He's saying, who's going to want to harm you if, for doing good? right? In other words, like when you do the right thing, most of the time, a lot of the time, if you're playing the odds, things are going to go okay. Like they're going to go okay because you're doing the right thing. You're loving people, you're serving people, you're going out of your way. A lot of times, like it, it works out well for you. But we all know, and this is what Peter's speaking to, is said, it doesn't always turn out that way. Yes, the odds are higher that you might not be misunderstood, but you're at some point going to be misunderstood. At some point, you're going to be questioned for your actions, even if you're doing good. Here at Sunrise, we've hosted the shelter now for 12 years, or over 12 years. So it'll be our first year not doing it. And man, a lot of people look at us and they go, that's awesome. You guys are bringing in the homeless. You're housing them. We're like, yeah, man, we just feel like this is where we've been led in this season and where God is moving. And we see God as someone who totally goes after the least, last, and lost, which we understand is all of us in this. And so that's why we do this. And man, people are like, yeah, that's so good. That's awesome. We partnered with other churches to do this. I mean, people get behind this. And you think all good and everyone's happy. And, but all of a sudden, when there's people who actually have to inherit the cost of that as well. And so we have people who come up to us and they go, well, you're just bringing all the homeless into Hillsborough. Well, you're just doing, you know, that's not really, you're not really helping. You're actually hurting the cause. And here we are. It's like, man, we're just opening up our building. We're just trying, we have resources. We're just trying to give them away. And yet they can be, and it can be looked at as we're trying to do good that people actually analyze it, critique us and go, actually, you're not doing it right at all. And man, that can be tough. That can be difficult to hear those things. That can be extremely um, hard on your soul. And so as we kind of look at this passage today, I think we all wrestle with this idea of when he says, hey, you're going to do good, and th- but you're going to suffer at the same time. But here's what I want to tell you. Even when you suffer for doing good, I want to tell you one thing. Do not fear. Do not fear. So Peter's getting that. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Did you know that the Bible says, do not be afraid, 365 times? Yes, that's one for each day. One for each day. And you might think that's uh, coincidental, but with God, everything's intentional. 
because the truth is, is fear robs us of so much, right? Fear comes in and it steals and it kills and it destroys. And we make decisions out of fear. We make Facebook posts out of fear. We lose relationships over fear. All these stinking things. Fear comes in and it, it does this because it is the enemy to faith. And so we wrestle with fear because it can consume us and it can become so much a part of our identity and how we make decisions. Now we do this. And if you're with me in the season, it's like, Man, you might be afraid of the most simplest thing. Like, man, someone goes out. If, man, when I was young, my parents would go, okay, hey, I'm going over so-and-so's. I'll be back, I'll be back in an hour or whatever. And I'm like, here I am. Cell phones are probably kind of newish. I don't know. But anyways, it's like I'd call them after they were gone for a while. And I'd, and I'd reach out to them and go, they wouldn't pick up their phone. And so then I'd sit there worried. And then they haven't checked in. They haven't called me or anything like this. And so here I am going through this whole list of scenarios. And I'm like making up negative outcomes in my mind of what happened. There was a car accident. There was a flat tire. There was they, you know, got taken or something like that. You know, it's like all these things that didn't end up happening. And that's how fear can kind of run as we start making up a future that's not real. Um, we start making up, projecting our fears on things. And it's like, that's silly, Taylor. Yeah, but we still do it today. You know, maybe it's as simple as uh, for, for you, it's COVID, you know, and, and in this season, it's like we're afraid of where the economy is going to go. And I think it's realistic fear. I think it's, it's probably way more realistic than my fears, but... <laughs> We're afraid of that. We're afraid of catching COVID. We're afraid of the impacts of it all and all these things. And what we do is we start to project those on the future and we start making decisions about that. And we start creating uh, a stance because of that. And that can be so difficult because the truth is, is Peter's speaking right into us in this moment where we are experiencing suffering and pain. I mean, I'm not going to say we're being persecuted because I don't believe that we are. I believe that this is just a season of suffering. We all want it to go away. We all want to go back to the way things were. We all want that. And Peter speaks into us and he says, hey, I know you're in a tough season. I know it's difficult. There's going to be where you try to do good and people are going to misunderstand you. But here's what I want you to remember. When you suffer, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And a lot of us can take that and go, okay, well, let's just not be afraid. Well, if that was so easy to do, we'd just do it, right? No, Peter gives us the antidote to fear. And he says this in this next passage. He says, instead of fear, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Instead, you must worship. When we go and look at the original language of that, we understand that when he says worship, he's saying to set yourself apart, to make yourself holy for another purpose. That's what he's saying in that, to sanctify yourself, that God wants to use you for a special purpose. I've shared on the stage uh, before, if you've been around for a while, Sunrise, just kind of my own journey with mental health and some of those. I had a season where I just couldn't even drive down the road, right? Like I literally could not drive down the road. And one of the ways that I feel like God really came, I mean, it was fear. It was a crippling fear. And one of the ways that God came into that season and did so much work in me was through actually worship was through fixing my eyes on Jesus. And so I'd get up early in the morning, and I, I would be there 5 o'clock, and I'm like, God, if I'm going through this season, if this season isn't going anywhere, then I'm going to worship you through it, Then I'm going through it with you, and you're going through it with me. And, and so I'd get up, and I'd put on some worship music, and it's not the only way to worship God is with music, but that's what I would do, and I would just put my hands out, and I would just go, I would just sing those lyrics and I would just sing them and pray them with so much truth. And can I tell you something that happened? It didn't get better. It didn't go away. 
But you know what? My attention started to shift from all the worries, all the fears, all those things to who God was. That's what worship does. It takes it. We, we, we look at all these fears, all these things of where things could go wrong, how things are go wrong, why we should be doing this. And all of a sudden when we worship, when we come and we set ourselves apart, we actually are becoming fixated on who Jesus is. We come fixated on his character, on who he is, and that's where our attention goes, and that's what consumes us. Man, it's such a powerful thing to see that happen. And so I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm just going to challenge you and encourage you that, man, God is inviting you to worship him. And I want to show you a little bit more of what this looks like. He says, you must worship Christ as Lord. And a lot of us, man, we'll call Jesus our Savior. Like that, we're good at that. We're like, I need a Savior. And so we go to God in times of trouble. We go to times when things are falling apart. Relationships are going south. And so we reach out to him. We're like, man, I need your help. Save me from this one. And we do that. And I would say that is the exact right thing to do in those moments. That is the exact right thing to do. But it stops right there with a lot of us. We come to God when we need him, and then when he gets us to a certain point, we go, okay, I got, I got it from here. Appreciate the help. Thanks for the pick-me-up. You can take the training wheels off now, right? And what I see in this passage, he's saying Christ as Lord. Lord means ruler of your life. Lord means being the king. That means you got to get out of the driver's seat and let him take the driver's seat. And in a season where we're all struggling for control, we're all struggling for things to go this way or that way, and I, I'm right there with you. I'm like grabbing the wheel on my life right now and going, all right, God, let's, let's get it over here. Come on, let's go. And we get frustrated and we get mad and we get fearful and we start making statements and we start losing relationships over this stuff. And, and we have to remind ourselves, wait, 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 wait. I'm not in the driver's seat. I'm not the one leading this thing. I got to get out. When I make Jesus Lord of my life, he's not there just in times of trouble, but he's there all times. He sits on the throne at all times. And when we do that, we can experience a peace that passes all understanding. And some of us don't like that because we don't like being a slave or a servant to anyone. But the truth is, Jesus, he invites us in. He says, hey, hang on a second. I invite you into a relationship that's like nothing you've ever experienced before. I have a peace that passes all understanding. I have a yoke that's easy and gentle. I have, man, I am like no one you've ever experienced because I made you and I wanted to be in relationship with you. And he invites us in. He says, now, surrender. That's the posture I want you to have. Surrender. And so as we see this kind of play itself out, we we start to look different. We start to become different. As we fixate our eyes on Jesus and we see him, we start becoming who Jesus said we would be. And so we see this in Matthew. Jesus says this passage. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt that it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. He's saying, hey, as you fixate your eyes on me, as you really do this, you are going to become the salt. And you know what salt does? It enhances the flavor, right? You put it on your steak, you put it on meat, you put it on things. You're like, man, really brings it out. It really makes it so much better. And he's saying, you are the salt. You're the one who does that in this world. You bring out the good. You reveal the kingdom. You do that. And guess what happens? When you do that, you're going to look different. You're going to look different than everyone around you. You're not going to be holding on to fear. You're not going to be holding on to outcomes. You're not going to be holding on to that. You're going to be holding on to me. That's what you're going to do. And it's going to look so different. You're going to be countercultural. You're going to be so much different. And it's going to be wild. It's going to be crazy. And you know what people are going to do? They're going to go, 
hey, why do you have so much hope in this season? Why are you so different in this season? And this is what, if we go back to the passage 15, I want to show you a different, or verse 15, but show you a different translation here. Because I think Peter hits right on this. He goes, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. So worship Christ as Lord, right? We just talked about that. Now, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. Now, the word defense here is the Greek word apologia. And the word account here is the Greek word logos, which means word or message. If we talk about defense and we get apologia, we understand that that goes back to the original language where we get the word apologetics from. So for those of you out there who are really into apologetics, it's a doctrine about, you know, that allows us, the study of the doctrine of the word of God that allows us to defend and explain the faith. For those that might question something, might question something in the Bible, man, we get into the apologetics, the defense, what makes scripture true right? And then we have the account. We have the, the word, the message. And what he's saying is people are going to come to you and they're going to go, why are you so different? Why are you so hopeful in this season? And, he, and Peter's saying, you got to be ready. You got to be ready to give them a defense, to explain why you do the things you do. And be, and, be, and be prepared. You should know scripture. You should know why you're living the way you are. Why God is doing the things inside of you the way he is. And then you have the word message, right? You have the word, a word here. And so in other words, when people come to you and they go, hey, why are you so different? You're going to be, well, because. And you'll have a message to share. You'll have a life worth sharing. You'll have uh, stories and times where you can say, this is how God has shown up. And so I just continue to follow God because this is what he's done for me. You're going to have a story worth sharing. Now, for some of you out there, maybe you're not asked why you're so different. And I raise my hand I'm right here with you. I'm right here with you. People, maybe you don't have people asking you why you're so different in this season. And I'd say, man, that's a good hard look in the mirror. Because if we're not different in this season, if we're just like everyone else, then we're really not fixated on Christ as much as we want to be or should be. And I, and I get there's all kinds of things to grab our attention and go, but he's saying, man, why are you so different? And if people aren't asking us that, then we have to take a hard look within and go, maybe it's because I'm not different. Maybe because I'm just like culture. Maybe because I'm just, I've got fear running rampant in my life and this is what it is. Now, why are you so different? And I, and I have to say this because it's the season we're in. Um, no matter which side you fall on in this, but I'm not talking about why you don't wear a mask. A lot of people are like, I don't wear a mask because I don't live in fear. And I'm just like, that's not what he's talking about in this. That's not what he's getting at in this. Or why do you wear a mask? Well, because of the, no, why are you so different. Not why you voted the way you did. Not why you're associated to this side. No, no, no. Why are you so different? Why do you forgive the unforgivable? Why do you have so much hope when it feels like everything's falling apart around us? Your world is falling apart and you're just over here having peace. Why are you so different? Man, you, you just lost someone so close to you, and yet you still show up and worship God. Why are you giving away your money? Why are you giving away your time? You know that's valuable, right? Why are you so different? Man, that's, that's the different. That's the salt of the earth. 
that, that Jesus is speaking to, that Peter is referencing, are you ready to give an account? Are you ready to defend why you are so different? Because that's what he's calling us to. That's what he's saying. And then there's this moment in it where it's like, and this is so good because this is me, right? We all look at scripture and it's black and it's white. And we go, this is what the Bible says. This is not what the Bible says. And and so he says, hey, when you give them this account, when you do this, there's a way to do it. And this is what he says. He says, but do this in gentle and a respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Do this in gentleness and respect them. It's like, man, you're not there to go, well, this is what the Bible says and you're wrong. Like that, that's kind of our first notion. That's what we say. Well, no, no, this is what scripture. And I, I, I have no tolerance for anything else outside of that. Man, he says gentleness, gentleness. It's like a love. It's a meekness. It's a kindness that we go to them and say, you know, this is why I'm doing this. Cause I've just seen God show up so many times. I've seen him come to and through in times where I, I didn't even know. I was doubting in my own faith. I was, I was struggling in my own walk. I didn't even know if this was even real at this point, if God even cared. Like, you're just doing this in realness, gentleness, and then a respectful way with humility, right? You're like, you're looking at this person who doesn't know Christ and they're asking why it's so different. And you are considering them greater than yourself as you explain about the hope and message that you have in Jesus. Like, you think of them as greater. When's the last time we've done that? Not that, like, oh, I've got a gift. i got eternity. I've got out and in. A year on the out. Let me, let me show you how you can be. No, 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 no. Man, you got to know about this guy. He saved me. He did everything. He changed everything. And it's just this wild journey right, as, as we surrender ourselves. And this is where I think it really comes down to. This is where I really think it all comes back is when we sit here and we think, when we hold on to things of this world, we are going to find our hope in this world. We're going to find our hope right here. We're going we're gonna to plant roots. We're going we're gonna to go, man, I'm, I'm a, I want this home and I want th- this size and I want this car and I want these things and I need this job and I want these kind of friends and my kids better go do this. And we, and we kind of plan this all out as if this is forever. And Jesus says, no, 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 I've come to give you life, life to the full. Life is bigger than just waiting for eternity to get here, but life actually starts now. He says, I have given you life. That actually, your time on this earth is nothing but the blink of an eye. That's it. That's all it is in, the, in this whole thing. This, this life is finite. But a lot of us live like it's the infinite. Like that's where we're at. Our hope is in everything we do here. And I get it. I'm with you. I do the same thing. But when we fix our eyes on Jesus and when we set ourselves apart, what happens is we start looking at eternity and we start dreaming about it. We start gazing at it and we start looking at Jesus and say, I can't wait for that. And that seems weird and that's countercultural, but that's called being the salt of the earth. Because all of a sudden you just have your money and you give it away. And you just have your time and you give it away. Well, this isn't my home. This isn't my home. My hope's not in this place. My hope's not here. And people go, whoa, whoa, whoa. But why? And this is what we're going to tell them when we tell them why. This is what Peter says. He says, here's what you need to know. Remember, it's better to suffer for doing good 
if that is what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. Christ suffered for our sins once and for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but he was raised to life in the spirit. We're going to suffer down here. This is a tough, difficult season. And you know what? We're going to suffer when we do the right things. That's hard to say. I mean, it's, and that keeps a lot of us away from doing the right things because it's almost easier to cut corners when we know the suffering will be limited. But Peter's sitting here telling us the most important thing. He's saying, guys, you're going to suffer, but here's what you need to know. You have a Savior that went before you, and he suffered too. Jesus suffered too. What you're experiencing right now, what you're going through right now, Jesus went through these same longings, these same stirrings when he was nailed to a cross, when he was whipped, when he was crucified, when he was sitting there and and under so much pain and agony. Man, he went through the same stuff. And when we go through suffering, we we can wrestle with these seasons and go, okay, I want it to be over. And God is trying to do so much in us and and so much through us in these seasons. And and I believe that it's in these seasons that God helps us grab onto eternity. And that's so much easier said than done. You know, we got the Savior who went through the same thing. And so I just want to invite you to pray this same thing that I've been praying in this season. This difficult season is, uh, I've just been saying, God, change me. You know, change me, God. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on and a lot of idols being revealed in my own life and things that I'm grabbing to for comfort or to fix the pain or, you know, so many things. And I think my prayer, and I haven't done well, but it's just been, God, change me. I know the season's here. I know this difficulty of COVID is here. Everything else. But just don't let me walk out of this season the same way I came in. I want to experience life. And I believe there's life to be experienced in this season. And so instead of changing the world or changing my circumstances, God, change me. Change me. And for some of you out there, you might need to be reminded of this today. Um, holding on to some sin, but it was a one-time death. It says that in the scripture. It says one time for all sins. And so some of you, maybe you've been holding on to some things um, that you need to let go of, that you need to forgive yourself for, that you need to say, hey, Jesus died for that. And I would say it's one time, one death. You don't need to go back up on the cross and pull the nails out and have them do it again to forgive you. It was one time. And it covered your past sins. It covers your current sins. It covers your future sins. And that takes faith to live in that promise. You've already committed to that. You surrendered your life and you believed in that. And for some of you, you haven't done that. And so I want to invite you into a prayer to really make Jesus the Lord of your life. Not just the Savior. Not just someone who shows up and rescues you in tough moments. But someone who could be your Lord. That you could say, I'm going to get out of the driver's seat. And it's very simple. It just takes a moment of faith. And I'm just going to invite you to pray these words with me as we close today. And so, Father, we need you. Lord, I've been, I've been going through this life, maybe holding on to fear, holding on to pain, holding on to unforgiveness. 
Lord, every time I try to do the right thing or do a good thing, it always feels like it comes back and just has negative consequences. And I'm just tired. And so, Father, I I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, past, present, and future. I believe three days later, he rose from the grave. And now I want to make him the Lord of my life. I just want to surrender. I surrender my life to you. I surrender my life. I give it over. I want to get out of the driver's seat. Help me do that, Father. Help me get out of the driver's seat. I trust you. I surrender to you. I give you control. I don't know how. But I give you control, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that, with, said that prayer this morning, just surrendered your life to God, you need to know that there is no barrier between you and God now. That there is no sin that can sep- you, separate you from God's love. That you are invited and you are welcomed. And that's the message that we have to share with people when people ask us why we have the hope we have. That we have a God who forgives. We have a God who pursues us in the midst of our brokenness. And not only that, we want to pray with you this morning. So if that was your first time or you just need prayer in general, we're going to actually have some leaders on Zoom to pray with you, to be there with you, and just just to listen. Man, we want to walk this journey with you, even in a season of where everything feels like we're so separated. Man, God has still given us the gift of technology where we can be connected. So I invite you to just tune in to Zoom. It'll be down in the comments section, wherever you're watching from, and be a part of that. But in the meantime... And give you a chance to just really worship God right here, to really fix your eyes on him and let him be the Lord of your life. Love you guys. Have a great week.